This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to our acoustic version of the Star Spangled Banner here on KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what's so bright? Stripes in bright stars through the perilous fight. Oh, the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming in the rocket's rain.
You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and again, I want to thank the Lord and the management of KLRN Radio for this great opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Today I'm going to start then with a story, some events that happened to Moses. You know, Moses, God sent him over to the, uh, Egypt to bring his the children of Israel out of the slavery and back over to the promised land that he had set up for them. Well, uh, after going through the ten, you know, miracles over there, the to deliver them uh, it wasn't just an easy thing to do because God told him to go over you know the Pharaoh just kept rebelling and rejecting to let his people go and um, finally when uh, it got so bad for the Pharaoh he let them go well the children of Israel started their long journey home then and still after seeing all these miracles and everything there were people in the crowd uh, that evidently were jealous of Moses, or they, you know, they wanted the power, the authority, the leadership themselves, and everything. And three of them, uh, Korah, Dathan, Abibaham, something like that, um, were kind of the main leaders, being disruptive, you know, in the crowd and everything they'd picked on Moses or you know talked about him. but finally they got to the point where um, they just wanted to take over and I guess that's when God decided it was time to do something about it but in Numbers chapter 16 verses 28 to 35 and when um, Moses heard that they had gathered 
at least 250 of the main people in the different tribes. The tribes were, you know, organized to where they had kind of like a chief spokesman and different people like this, 12 tribes. Um, and they had gathered together 250 of the, you might say, the leaders under Moses or something. But anyway, uh, and they were standing in Moses' way, going to turn against him and everything. Well, in Numbers chapter 16, verse 28, says, and when Moses heard about it, Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own. If these men die the common death of all men, and if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. So he's saying something different here now, that God's going to just take these people out and show that he's the leader, and so that everybody will know. Uh, and he says, but if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that pertain to them, and they go down quick to the pit, then shall you understand that these men have provoked the Lord. So he's saying here that uh, God's going to back him up if he's God's man, to show that he is God's man. Uh, and that these people, you know, are going to be just moved out of the way by, I guess what we would consider an earthquake, the earth just opening up and swallowing them. And, it, you know, Moses knew now that he was God's man. And he had that confidence in everything. To stand up and say this before the crowd. It would be great if we could know that we were such a person that God would back us up in, in any situation like this too. And I believe he will. But anyway, uh, let's read on here in verse 31. It came to pass, as Moses had made an end of speaking these words, that the ground clave asunder, or opened up under them. The earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that pertained to them, and their goods. Uh, now, Moses, before he had started this, had got and told the people to separate from these men, and all that the people that wanted to be with them, you know, to go stand over with them. And these men were standing in, you know, the uh, doorways of their tents and, you know, in the surrounding area there. So they were all together in kind of a big group. And it said, And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, their houses, all the men that pertained to Korah, and all the goods, those 250 and the others that they had talked to join with them. And they and all that pertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. So they were just removed that day. But it says, All Israel were round about them, fled and at the cry of them, because they heard them screaming and hollering and everything. And so the others that even were with Moses, many of them ran and fled from it. It, it was so terrible and everything. For they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense and had been working with them that didn't go down into the pit. But not just these men, their wives and children, uh, everything that belonged to them suffered because of what they were doing to, you know, hinder Moses and try to, you know, turn things around and take over. Some of them even planned and mentioned several times that we should go back to Egypt and they thought if they led the people back to Egypt that Moses I mean that uh, Pharaoh would be so pleased with them that you know he would grant them favor and everything for bringing the rest of the uh, children of Israel back but God showed in this example here that uh, he stands behind his people and then Moses was his man for that you know, the leadership, and to bring them out of the slavery and take them over to the promised land. Now, Moses got in trouble um, before he got to the promised land with the people because 
God had asked him to speak to a rock and get water for the people later on. And he was mad at the children of Israel again. Moses was. And somehow or other, he and Aaron were in on it together because Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And God told him that he wasn't going to let him enter into the promised land, and but he would let him, uh, let him lead them up to the edge of the promised land. But because of what they did, Aaron got relieved of his position as a priest within just a couple of weeks after that happening, and he was completely replaced. Well, that was just one of the examples there that uh, I thought you might be interested in seeing, that God completely removed those people because they, they see they were blocking up until then they had been criticizing Moses and uh, picking at him and things like this but they weren't blocking his way but when they finally got to the point to where they were going to block his way then God stepped in and just completely removed them to show again how God uh, backs up his people in 2 Kings chapter 20 verses 1 through 11 I've shared this story several times and some of the previous broadcasts, but it's very interesting. Uh, King Hezekiah was sick, and God sent the prophet Isaiah to him. And this is in Second Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. It says, In those days Hezekiah was sick unto death. The prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now the prophet was speaking the words of the Lord. To the king. Then he, speaking of uh, Hezekiah, turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. Now, it wasn't a perfect heart like we think of Jesus having a perfect heart and like this, but he was trying throughout his lifetime to serve the Lord and, and to do the best he could and everything. And so he, he truly was seeking you know, um, to be a godly king and he says now I've done that which is good in thy sight and then Hezekiah wept sore now you can see how quick God answers prayers from an honest heart turned to him verse 4 it came to pass before Isaiah had gone out of the middle of the court that the word of the Lord came to him saying turn again tell Hezekiah the captain of my people thus saith the Lord the God of David thy father I have heard thy prayer I have seen thy tears behold I'll heal thee and on the third day thou shalt go up in the house of the Lord so even though uh, Hezekiah's prayer was short even sounded a little prideful you know like I've you know served you with a perfect heart and done everything you've asked me to do and stuff you know uh, God still honored it because he knew the intent of his heart honored it and turned the prophet around told him go back tell him he's going to live then verse 6 and God told him I will add unto him 15 years and I'll deliver thee out of the city of the hand of the king of Assyria and I'll defend the city for my own sake and for my my servant David's sake well Isaiah then took a lump of figs you know it doesn't explain why this but uh, took a lump of figs and laid it on the boil and he recovered now that could have been the end of the story Hezekiah recovering and God has told him now that he's going to give him 15 more years but that wasn't the end of the story for Hezekiah you know in those days uh, there was a law that if a prophet spoke something that didn't happen then they weren't a true prophet because God wasn't backing up what they said if they you know you would assume if they were speaking God's pure word like it says in Proverbs 35 and 6 Every word of God is pure A shield them put their trust in Add thou not to it Lest he reprove thee And thou be found a liar But see If they weren't speaking God's pure word The way they would be reproved Is that God wouldn't back up What they were saying Now here Hezekiah was wondering about Isaiah Because he came and told him You're going to die Now he says you're going to live uh, And he did have evidence that the second prophecy was proof because when Isaiah put that lump of figs on him it says uh, he laid it on the boil and he recovered so he could have got a good indication that maybe God had changed his mind well he didn't leave it there though Hezekiah said unto Isaiah 
What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and I shall go up in the house of the Lord the third day? He said, What sign will God give me that you're speaking his word, that you're telling me the truth? And Isaiah said, Now this is a confidence. You know, like Moses had the confidence to say the earth will open up and, and swallow these men up. Listen to the confidence here of Isaiah answering King Hezekiah. He says, This sign shall I have of the Lord. That means he's going to speak something here, and the Lord's going to do it to back him up and, and assure King Hezekiah that it was God speaking to him. He says, This sign I shall have of the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has spoken. Shall a shadow go forward ten degrees or go back ten degrees? Isaiah is saying here that, see, he knows that it was God speaking through him, but Hezekiah doesn't. But he's saying that God will back him up by changing the, you know, the earth and the sun's rotations to where they will back up and the shadow on the sundial will actually go back 10 degrees. I don't know how many minutes that would have been or something like that, but 10 degrees on the sundial. Hezekiah answered, light thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backward 10 degrees. That's how Hezekiah had, you know, specified that he would rather have the shadow go backward 10 degrees than forward 10 degrees because he didn't want, you know, to maybe misinterpret it or something. Anyway, and Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord. Now, it doesn't say he prayed to the Lord, but, you know, talking to the Lord is prayer. So his, his, he had a desperate prayer here because he knew he was speaking God's word. Now it was up to God to back him up to the king. So he cried unto the Lord. It was life or death for him. And God brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the dial of Ahaz. Now, if God hadn't moved the earth and the sun in a rotation to where the shadow went back 10 degrees, Hezekiah may have killed the prophet Isaiah because he had a right to because both of those prophecies or both of the things that he was told were contradictory to each other you know so he might could have you know he might would have killed him but God backed him up though see how God moved the earth and the sun and their rotations to back up his word through his prophet now God will back up his word through us if we're speaking his word and that's why it says in you know uh, Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said, Have faith in God. Whosoever shall say in this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and not doubting. See, if you're not doubting, that means you know God has told you to speak to that mountain. See, if, if you speak his word, if he tells you like that, he will back it up, even to move mountains, like he moved the earth and the sun here. But then it goes on. It says, Have faith in God, whosoever shall say in this mountain, Be thou removed, and not doubting you've talked to the Lord and he's told you, but believing. You know it's God that's told you this. Isaiah there knew it was God that told him to tell Hezekiah that. He said, Shall have whatsoever he saith. Because, see, you're speaking God's word then. God's using you and me as his mouthpiece. And it says in Second Corinthians 5, um, 17 through 20 that we're to be ambassadors for God we're to go share his pure word but it's got to be his pure word of salvation or whatever it is God speaks to us but God will back it up in Isaiah 44:26, the scripture says the Lord confirmeth the word of his servants and performs the word of his messengers now he confirms the word that we speak but he will also share uh or back up when we are like sharing a testimony that's not God's exact word you know something like that but when we're sharing a truthful testimony of something that God has done in our life and everything he will back up that word of his messengers you know who are sharing testimonies of him because like in Revelation 12:11 says and they overcame him speaking overcoming the devil by the blood of the lamb what Jesus has done for us and by the word of their testimony. So that testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and the honest one is just as powerful in God's eyes as his words of scriptures because he will back it up. 
you share with somebody how God created in you the changed heart, he forgave your sins and, and you know, cleansed your heart, put his spirit in you, that same word that you share with them, how he did it and everything, you prayed and sought the Lord and uh, we all have different testimonies of how we came to the Lord to get him to do that. But then God will back up those words to the people and he will create in them a new heart and new life too just like he did you even though their circumstances might be a little bit different okay now in the, another one kind of interesting here about Elijah the prophet 2nd Kings chapter 1 verses 1 through 17 uh, the king here was seeking a word King Ahazi was seeking a word about his health but he was seeking uh, from the Beelzebub the god of Akron whether he, you know, uh, King Ahaziah would recover from this sickness that he had and this disease. So he sent his messengers over there to uh, ask Beelzebub, you know, the god of Akron, you know, what's going to happen to him? Well, God knew that. So God had uh, Elijah intercept these messengers and it says, God sent Elijah to say to the king's messengers, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Akron? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord. So God sends the messengers a message from God, but that wasn't who they were actually going to get the message from. They were going to Beelzebub, you know, one of those false gods. But this is the message that God sent to them, or back to the king Ahazi. Thou shalt not come down from the bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. He said, you're going to die right where you are, you know, because you're seeking those false gods and everything. Anyway, when they went back and told the king, the king asked him and said, What did this man look like? And they said, Oh, he was a hairy man, girded with a girdle of leather about his loins, and, you know, kind of wild man out in the wilderness. And the king said, it's, This is Elijah, the Tishbite. The king sent his uh, captain, the way his army was divided up, then they have a captain of 50 men and so on like this. He sent uh, a captain of 50 men to get Elijah. Well, when Elijah saw him coming, they got up to him like that, you know. Uh, listen to his prayer. If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. See, because he wasn't going back to the king. And immediately then, it says, there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty men. Well, the king heard about this. I don't know you know, who took the word back to him because all of them were dead then. Now the second time, the king sent another captain with 50 men. And the captain said, O man of God, thus hath the king said, come down quickly. You know, he said, he wants to see you or whatever, but come quickly. Well, Elijah prayed again. If I be a man of God, <laughs> then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. There came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty men. Well, the king still wanted to see him, so he sent another captain with fifty men. But when this captain got close to the place where Elijah was living, staying, whatever, he kind of changed his attitude compared to the other two. Instead of ordering Elijah to come, the captain fell on his knees and begged for his life because see he had to go because the king ordered him to go but when he got there he started begging for his life and the angel of the Lord said to Elijah go down with him be not afraid of him the king so Elijah went this time but God protected him from the king Elijah told the king said you'll die and he died according to the word of the Lord but see, during that time, though, how the Lord protected Elijah as he went through this particular process. In Second Kings, chapter 6, verses 8 to 23, uh, the king of Assyria was warring against Israel. And he took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And, you know, they're, they're planning where he's going to go and camp here and camp here and his travels around as he's, you know, 
leading the battle and everything. And a man of God sent to the king of Israel and said, Beware of thou pass not such a place, for the Syrians are come down. Well, here, uh, Elisha, the prophet then, tells the king of Israel where not to go because of God gave him the word of where the um, king of Assyria was going to be camping and everything. It says, Therefore the heart of the uh, king of Assyria was sore and troubled for this. He called his servants and said, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He said, Who's the spy? Who's telling the king of Israel what we're doing? And one of the servants said to him, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel. He telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in our bedchamber. You know, because God's given him word. So the king says, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. So the king of Syria then sends his men over there with horses and chariots and everything. They're going to kill this prophet. Verse 14 then. Therefore send horses, chariots, and great host. And they came by night, and they encompassed the city, Dothan, where um, Elisha was living. Well, when uh, Elisha's servant got up the next morning, he would rise early, I guess, to prepare things for Elisha and stuff. And he went outside, and behold, uh, there was, you know, all of these horses and chariots and everything surrounding them. And the servant rushed back in and cried out to his master, What shall we do? And Elijah answered and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, you know, in Psalms 34, 7, the scripture says, The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers them. Well, here Elisha prayed said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, speaking of his servant, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and the young man saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. So what this other army didn't see, well, they were surrounded by the, you know, the uh, angels of the Lord. And there was more of them <laughs> than there were of the uh, Syrian army. And when they came down to Elisha, Elisha prayed in the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And God blinded them all. His whole army of Syria and everything blinded. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way you want to go. This is not the city. You know, follow me and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And, you know, he is the man they're seeking. But he said, Follow me and I'll bring them. So he led them to Samaria. They were all blinded. And it came to pass when they were come to Samaria, Elisha said to the Lord, Open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elijah, You know, now they're surrounded and everything. They're here uh, under the king of Israel. The king of Israel said to Elijah when he saw them, My father, shall I smite him, or you know, shall I just kill him? And Elisha answered, Thou shalt not smite him. Wouldest thou smite those that thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Elisha fed them the army and sent them home. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drank, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Samaria then came no more to Israel. Uh, see, he fed them, sent them back home, and the king turned away from his, you know, uh, attacking Israel then because he knew he didn't have a chance. So I have a few more of these from the New Testament and everything in just a minute. So uh, I'll be right back. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio, 
and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Back. I've been sharing some testimony of stories in the Old Testament how God spared his men that were speaking his word in the the New Testament, and starting right out, uh, you know, the wise men were seeking Jesus. It starts right in the book of Matthew, telling about how they, you know, were going around searching for him. Well, they went up to King Herod um, in Israel and asked him, of all people, you know, where Jesus was. You know, he's a king. You know, they thought he might know and thing, but. Herod was shocked that a king was supposedly being born in his nation, you know, near him like his, like the wise men told him, you know, that how they came because of the alignment of the stars and the things like this or whatever it was, the uh, indications that God had given them. And uh, he told him, he said, well, you go on your way and find him, and please, when you find him, come back and tell me so that I may go and worship him too. What he wanted to do was go kill him, you know, and get rid of him. Now, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, uh, after the wise men had found Jesus, and they didn't stay very long, evidently, but anyway, when uh, they were preparing to stay, it says, being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. This really upset Herod, and that's uh, one of the reasons then why he sent his men then to uh, Bethlehem in that area to kill all the children ages two and younger uh, because he wanted to make sure and just wipe out whoever this supposedly king might be that was being born. But now in verse 13, Matthew chapter 2, speaking about Joseph, Mary's husband said and when they departed behold the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream so God gave the wise men a dream and told them to depart another way and go back to their country and not to go back and talk to Herod now God's given Joseph a dream and when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word from, uh, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. I don't know how long uh, Joseph Mary 
lived in Egypt. But then God did. He gave them a dream and told them that, you know, Herod is now dead. You're to go back over to, you know, Israel. And then he gave them a dream of where to live. So there's five dreams in the first couple of chapters of Matthew, how God spoke to his people to give them guidance so that they could know clearly what to do, where to go, like this. God still gives dreams today. I know he's given me several dreams through the years, you know, like that, and, and teaching me things that it would just be impossible to teach here on earth, the circumstances, situations you couldn't set up, like he can set them up in dreams and everything. Now, and many of you have been having dreams. You may not even thought about that, but start praying about them because uh, God still speaks to people in dreams. I meet people uh, so often through the week and everything that uh, God has been speaking to in dreams and they didn't realize it or recognize it. And they're telling me, you know, start praying about it. And many times after I talk with them about it, they'll see me later, you know, a week or so or something like this. And they'll say, that night after you we talked God gave me a dream now you pray about it every dream is not necessarily from God but pray and make sure some dreams are so clear you know they are some aren't it's just like some of our answers to prayer are so just clearly God will speak to me sometimes so clearly there's no doubt whatsoever it's God and then other times I seek him and seek him and seek him and it doesn't seem that clear now, it may be in other times like that that, you know, quite often when we pray and seek the Lord about something, we kind of have in our mind and heart already what we want him to answer. And we might not be open to his His answer, you know, that he wants us to have. So that since our heart isn't, you know, settled that we're just truly seeking his will, maybe the reason he holds off and, you know, allows us not to get the answer so soon or speedily. Well, anyway, Pilate uh, was, you know, Jesus was before Pilate. And Pilate was sitting down on his judgment seat to start this process of, you know, uh, investigating Jesus and, you know, uh, uh, finding out what's going on and to make his ruling. Well, the custom has it, or some people believe, that Pilate's wife was a Christian. There's no pure, truthful evidence, but in Matthew chapter 27, verse 19, um, God sent a message to Pilate's wife in a dream. She sent the message to Pilate that day as Jesus stood before Pilate. And to me, it appears it's like God sending a love message to Pilate, telling him, you don't have to be a part of this. Don't have anything to do with it. Get out of it. You know, uh, to spare Pilate from being the one that, you know, passed judgment on Jesus. Now listen to the scripture now. Verse 27, 19. When Pilate was set out on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. See, God disturbed her so much that she actually sent the message before Pilate as he was sitting down on his judgment seat like that to face Jesus, telling Pilate, you don't have to do it. Have nothing to do with this man. Now, Pilate evidently didn't respond according to that and step aside, but, uh, you know, he still tried to wash his hands of it later, you know, like he was really under conviction of, you know, that Jesus was a good man and everything. But, you know, sometimes people get in positions in government and places like this to where they deny doing what they know they should do for the Lord because they might lose their job or because of what people might say of them. But anyway, Pilate didn't respond, but God right to the end was reaching out to Pilate to get him to turn aside and not be a part of... Uh, Know, condemning Jesus to the cross. In Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, uh, the, the apostles, after the day of Pentecost, were, uh, it says here, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. Now, signs are, you know, those things where you see, you know, just 
uh, spiritual manifestation and you know some people may not understand them or not but pray about it because the difference in a sign and the answer um, I should have pointed that out when we studied about Hezekiah at the beginning of the broadcast when uh, he asked King Hezekiah when he asked the prophet Isaiah for a sign and uh, you know, Isaiah said what this is the sign you'll have shall the shadow move forward 10 degrees or backward 10 degrees now Hezekiah said backward 10 degrees we see then the prophet prayed and God moved the earth and the sun so that the shadow moved backwards 10 degrees now Hezekiah got his sign the difference between a sign and an answer is revealed in that is Hezekiah didn't pray the king Hezekiah all he did was just sit and watch and listen he heard the proclamation from Isaiah that God would move the earth and the sun shadow on the sundial to back him up then he prayed he uh, Hezekiah heard King I mean Hezekiah heard Isaiah the prophet pray and then when God moved the earth and the sun caused the sundial the shadow to go back 10 degrees King Hezekiah got a sign because see he didn't he didn't pray or anything but the, the prophet Isaiah he got a visible answer they both saw the same thing. They both saw the shadow and the sundial move back. But Hezekiah got a sign. Isaiah got an answer. And that's the difference between visible answers and visible signs. So here uh, it says there uh, were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the believers were the more added to the Lord. See, the people believing because of these things uh, these spiritual manifestations and everything that were taking place from these signs and wonders that God was performing through the disciples and he said and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes of men and women insomuch that they brought forth the sick to the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least a shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them and there came a multitude out of the cities from round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. See, God was working through these apostles and everything, because they were speaking his word purely. He was backing up his word through them. And he'll back up his word today through us and our ministers across the nation, across the nation too if we will speak his word purely but that's not what's happening in our society we've got all these different denominations that are just making up things uh, speaking opposite words from each other and everything we don't have the unity in the spirit in our society like the apostles and them had here they were speaking God's word and again Proverbs 35 and 6 that every word of God is pure a shield and put their trust in it add thou not to it lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar and that's what's happening in our nation our, our religious community is not being backed up by God for speaking his pure word because we have one saying this and one saying right opposite and back and forth and, you know two or three hundred different denominations and groups of people and and so much errors being taught and stuff things even made up that aren't even in the scriptures but this is what happened when people were speaking God's pure word and unity and joining together there came a multitude out of the cities around about say they came to Jerusalem bringing sick folks them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one now that, that's how God backs up his people Acts chapter 5 then continuing on in verses 17 and 20 now it kind of irritated a few people though. like the high priest it says here the high priest rose up and all they that were with him which were the sect of the Sadducees and were filled with indignation and laid hands on the apostles and put them in common prison but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life now they just God sent his angel he says what is it Psalms 34 7 the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers him okay but it continues on in verse 20 and says well Peter rebuked the Pharisees Galamia uh, gave some wisdom to the 
Sadducees and everything, and that were coming against the disciples. It made a little sense to them. It says, and to him they agreed. And what he had told them was, said, leave these men alone. He was telling the Sanhedrin, leave them alone, because if they're of God, you can't, you know, stop it. But if they're not of God, they'll split up. And, you know, because he said, we've had a lot of groups of people, you know, claim to, you know, be, you know, uh, of God like this. But when the leader dies, they just all fall apart and go their way and everything. He said, it'll come to naught if it's not of God. But if it is of God, you can't win. That was the advice he gave the Sanhedrin. Then verse 4, he says, and they agreed with him. And when they had called the apostles, though, uh, they still wanted to get back at them a little bit. So they beat them. They beat the apostles, commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And when they departed of the presence of the council, they were rejoicing after being beaten and everything. And it wasn't easy to take one of their beatings, you know, those stripes on their back and everything. But they were rejoicing that they counted themselves worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name. And daily in the temple and every house they ceased not to teach and preach about Jesus. So they took the beating and left, and they felt worthy to suffer for Jesus. But they didn't stop teaching and preaching about Jesus. They kept... Then in Acts 12, Herod killed James, the brother of John. And the Jews, so many of them were so, you know, happy about it, enjoyed it. It says it pleased the Jews so much, they took Peter and put him in jail to kill him next. In verse 5, it says the church prayed without ceasing for Peter. Now in verse 6, Peter was chained between two soldiers with keepers before the door, you know, to make sure he didn't get out of that prison. But the Lord had a different thing for Peter. Verse 7 says, Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and light shined in the prison. He smote Peter on the side, or he, you know, he slapped him on the side or something. He said he smoked Peter on the side. Woke him up, raised him up and everything. And uh, said, Guard thyself. Get your clothes on. Bind thy sandals. And so Peter did. And he said unto him, the angel said unto Peter, Cast thou garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. See, he thought all this was a vision to him, maybe, or a dream or something. But when they passed the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth out to the city, which opened to them, of its own accord. So the gates just opened and let the angel and Peter go out. They went out and passed through one street. Forthwith, the angel departed from him. And then Peter, you know, it says, when he came to himself, he said, Now I know for a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And from all the expectation of the people of the Jews, because, see, they were expecting Herod to kill him the next day or so. But he, uh, he was delivered by that angel. Now, after he was delivered, he went uh, back to his, you know, friends, and this is in Acts, uh, let's see, in verse 12, Acts 12, 12. And when he had considered a thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. See, the disciples had all been praying for him. And Peter knocked at the door of the gate, and the damsel, young lady, came to the door named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. She was so happy and everything, she didn't open to let him in. She turned around and ran and went and told the rest of the people back there. They said, Peter's standing before the gate. And they said to her, Thou art mad, or you know, you're crazy. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It's his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. See, they they were all in there praying and praying and everything, but when they got their answer, they, you know, they were very hesitant in even receiving their answer and believing it. Oh, me. Let's see. So many different ways here. In Acts chapter 14, um, Paul and Silas were thrown in a dungeon and everything. What they had the reason the people 
had him thrown in a dungeon was that he had Paul had cast a demon out of a young lady that was using witchcraft and everything to provide many of the uh, her owners, you know, like that, with money and everything from this witchcraft. And Paul cast a demon out of her and set her free, but these people lost their income. Now, and so they took them to court and jail. Well, took them to court and they got put in jail. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them in prison, charging a jailer to keep them safely who, having received such a charge, thrust them into inner prison. Because, see, if you lost your prisoner, you had to take their place or either be killed. And made their feet fast in stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, sang songs unto God, and the prisoners heard him. Now, this is after the stripes on their back, being beat up and everything. And it would be such a tendency, oh, God, why would you leave us down here? What did we have to do that for and everything? But, no, they were down there worshiping and praising the Lord. Uh, like the disciples, you know, feeling worthy to suffer for Jesus. Well, here Paul and Silas are doing the same thing. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And, uh, and you know that earthquake, it says they sang praises unto God. In uh, Psalms, let's see, 22.5, it says that God inhabits the praise of his people and many other places. So see, they instigated God inhabiting that jail by singing praises to him because see, when we speak God's pure word, it is Christ in us, coming out of us. So you now can start going in there praising in your bedroom or living room or wherever you are and and actually be opening yourself up and to God coming out and through you and your voice because when you're offering praises to God pure praises to God and everything that's the spirit of God in you coming out of you and that's what was happening here they were praising him and definitely God's presence was there because God inhabits the praise of his people God and his word are the same and when we praise him with his pure word that's God in us coming out of us now think about that and suddenly there was a great earthquake so at the foundation of the prison were shaken immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's hands everyone's bands were loosed the keeper of the prison waking out of sleep seeing the prison doors open drew out his sword for he would have killed himself because see you know um, he was going to get killed for losing his prisoners anyway he thought now supposing he was supposing the prisoners had already fled, but Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we are here. And then the jailer called for light, sprang in, came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought him out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So evidently the songs they were singing had something about salvation in them. And explain him because he right away asked, What shall I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, now shall be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. To all that were in the house, he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes, that is, the jailer did, cleaned them up, you know, because of the sores and stripes and everything. And he was baptized, he and all of his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Paul and Silas turned their captivity into freedom by praising God in that you know, a dungeon and the Spirit of God so strong in there and everything from their praises and from God, you know, working in there that there was earthquake they were freed after being whipped and beaten and everything they turn it to an opportunity to witness and the jailer and his family and received Christ their Savior and now Romans 8.28 says all things work together for good for those that love the Lord called according to his purpose. Now that called according to his purpose, his purpose for each of us is described in Second Timothy 1 9. It says he saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace created in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now that's the people that all things work together for good for. Not just because you're a Christian, but because you're called according to his purpose means you somehow or another have sought his purpose. See, it's not hidden from it, like uh, Psalm 91. Uh, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's not secret because God hides it from us. It's secret because you've got to care enough, love him enough to seek his secret place, to seek him. 
and that's the same way with this holy calling here uh, he's each one of us a holy calling created in Christ Jesus before the world began but he doesn't just dump that on us we got to care enough about him and be grateful enough of what he's done for us and saving us and and what Jesus did for us and all this to actually seek his holy calling and it's evil if we don't second excuse me second um, Chronicles 12:14 says that Solomon did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. It's evil for us not to do that. So for that promise to come alive in my life, your life, we got to be seeking God's holy calling for our life and and doing the best we can to serve in it. And then Ephesians 6:16 6, says above all taking the shield of faith wherein we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All the fiery darts of the wicked. If the wicked if the devil's getting through to you, this is one of the things that comes to me. If 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 I start getting some fiery darts from, I say, uh oh, I've I've got a you know a hole in my shield somewhere. I've opened a door to doubt or something um, that that's opening and allowing the devil to come in. You know, because that our shield of faith, acceptance, and obedience to God's word, should be it says here, quenching all the fiery darts of the wicked. And we saw, we've seen here how God sent his angels. God did all kind of different ways to protect his people in different circumstances. And Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers them. See, so we've got the same protection, the same word of God that those people have. And we have so many different versions of the Bible. Now, you know, they say different things, so we don't have a perfect copy. But you can study from the King James, NIV, Amplified, and all these. And, and you can seek God and and you can find his pure word and that's what he expects us to be doing um, now there is going to be persecution we won't be delivered from all those things you know, all the disciples died violent deaths but they did it willingly for the Lord they did it because they were serving him they didn't do it for robbing a bank or for you know um, wanting to get drunk and automobile wreck or something like that you know and hurting people and everything they went to prison for serving the Lord and they persecuted for serving the Lord. And in Revelation chapter 11, uh, verses 3 to 5, where it talks about the two witnesses during the tribulation period, it says here, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devours their enemies and if any man will hurt them he must in the same manner be killed so for whatever way they try to kill those witnesses that's the way they will die and that happened so many times in the scriptures too Haman when he was going to try to have Mordecai hung build a new scaffold and everything for him in the book of Esther Haman was the first person hung on him and see what he meant for others that's what happened to him and so often be careful what you wish upon others you know I sure wish this and this and this it may come back and the same thing happened to you but today if you haven't turned to this God that we've been talking about here God of the Bible turn to him with all your heart Lord Jesus please forgive me come into my heart and save me and I commit my life to you it's got to be from a true honest heart God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. 
That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up.